This is KMTT. Today, on Mondays, we have a shear of Harav Binyamin Tavori, who this year will be examining different responses, Shalotu Tshuvot, from the major ones from the 18th and 19th century. Harav Tavori. Rav Azriel Hildesheimer is known as one of the great German Rabbanim who founded a yeshiva, a Bet Midrash Rabbanim, was very instrumental in the education, both in the Mude Kodesh and the Mude Chol, of the German community, it was very often com- compared and contrasted with Reb Shimshon Fal Hirsch. He also wrote many tshuvos which were not printed during his life and were printed later in Tavshin Chavtet. The first volume was printed in 1969, tshuvos that we'll discuss today. Rav Hildesheimer was born in 1820 in the city of Halberstadt. He was born to a family of Tamidi Chachamim, his father used to say Shiurim in Halberstadt, but unfortunately, his father passed away when Rav Israel Hildesheimer was a child before Bar Mitzvah. He was brought up learning in the local schools where they studied both Limudei Kodesh and Limudei Chol. At a young age, he went to learn in Yeshiva under the famous Rabbanim of Germany. His main Rebbe, Rebbe Muvak, whom he co-quoted as saying he was a Talmud of, his was Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, the famous author of the Binyan Sion and the Aruch Lanier. As his Rebbe, Rabbi Etlinger, did, Rabbi Azriel Hildesheimer went to university in Berlin. At that university, he studied Semitic languages, philosophy, history. He went to another university of Halle, where he received a doctorate for working on the Targum Hashivim, on the Septuagint. His, his dissertation was obviously written in German. I don't know if it was ever tra- translated. He married into a very rich family, and therefore he never had to worry about his financial situation his entire life. He wrote and to people helping them in times of stress, not only giving spiritual guidance, but he actually gave a lot of tzedakah, supported many institutions and people. He supported his own yeshiva. In 1851, he was appointed the Rav of Eisenstadt, which was an Austrian-Hungarian community. He began by establishing there a school where they studied the Mudei Kodesh and Mudei Chol. On one hand, there seems to have been opposition to his program in Hungary, but we do find that the Hungarian Rabbanim were very, very respectful and considered him as one of the gedolim of his time. In the edition that I mentioned of the Tshuvas of Rav Azriel Hildesheimer, his descendants wrote the basic biography of Rav Azriel Hildesheimer, and they talk and they cite and many sources which show the approbation and the esteem 
that was felt for Avazril Hildesheimer even by the Hungarian Rabbanim. Nevertheless, there seems to have been opposition to the idea of having Limude Kodesh and Limude Chol taught together. He moved to Berlin in 1869 and he founded what's known as the Rabbinic Seminary of Rav Azriel Hildesheimer. Basically, the idea was to develop Rabbanim who would be intellectually aware of the secular world. In fact, you had to have a prior knowledge of secular studies in order to be accepted into the the seminary. Many people have contrasted Rav Hildesheimer to Rav Hirsch, but there seems to have been major differences between them. For example, uh, Mark Shapiro of the University of Scranton wrote an article in the Torah Mada Journal about the attitude of Rav Hildesheimer to, stu- to secular studies, and you can contrast it quite easily with Rav Shemshal Fal Hirsch. Rav Azriel Hildesheimer fought against the reform concepts, but nevertheless wanted to work within the entire Jewish community, whereas Rav Shemshal Fal Hirsch was much more of a separatist. Rav Azriel Hildesheimer also was known as a great lover of Eretz Israel, he, Shimshon Valhersh, was not known for his Zionistic endeavors at all. Rav, Shimshon, Rav Israel Hildesheimer actually founded the Batei Machaseh of Yerushalayim, and he was actually recognized in the uh, books as the owner of the lands where today Gedera exists. He, his literary output was important, but nevertheless he felt that his public service, his establishing a Bet Sefer, or the establishment of the Rabbinic Seminary, was more important than writing down his works. His main work that he published in the world of Halacha of Lambdas was a new edition of the Halachas Gedolos, which he printed from a manuscript. He wrote many articles in, in various newspapers, various magazines, many of them in German. The uh, newspaper Israelite, which he was in charge of, uh, was a very famous uh, literary newspaper at, at the time. As I mentioned before, the Chutim. The, the response of Rav Hildesheimer were printed in 1969, basically by his descendants. A Rabbi Eliyahu Monk, who's obviously from the Monk family that we know from uh, Paris, uh, from other uh, parts of the family, wa- was the one who instigated printing the Sefer, but he gave over the work to the family to grandchildren of Rabbi Fel, of Rabbi Israel Hildesheimer, who really, and and also a group of Tamiri Chachamim who worked in the Sfarim. We'll discuss some of the chuvas that are printed in the first volume of Arachayim and Yeridea. There is another volume that came out a few years later of uh, chuvas, so we have today two volumes, uh, two uh, Volumes of the Chuvas of Rabbi Zil Hildesheimer. As I said, we'll discuss the, some of the Chuvas of Arachayim 
and if we have time, some of the Aradeya Shuvas. In Simon Dalit, Rav Azriel Hathisheimer was asked about a person who did not have a bris. And the question was asked, can you give him an aliyah? On one hand, it wasn't the fault of the child. His parents did not give him a bris. Now, it's true that when the child reaches the age of bar mitzvah, he is required to have the bris done. So, Rav Azriel mentioned, theoretically, this could take place on his bar mitzvah. We're asking, could he be recognized in shul in his bar mitzvah? At which point, he did not have the opportunity yet to be mal himself. Maybe his birthday was on Shabbos, and it became bar mitzvah. But even if that's true, even if the child should have been mal, but nevertheless, the fact in at the time, the tshuva was written in Tafresh Mem Vav, at the time, the facts were that they used to call children to the Torah, they used to call men to the Torah, even if they weren't Shomer Torah Mitzvah. Per, also, people won't know that he's an adult. The idea was to give him an aliyah to show that he's now an adult. He's now by Mitzvah. People won't know that. So, in our generation, Rav Hildesheimer therefore paskind that you, I see no reason not to give him a, a bris. There's also an issue that if we don't call, uh, to give him an aliyah. And there's also an issue today that if we don't give him an aliyah, maybe there might be ramifications that we'll spell out a little bit more in a minute. The end of the tshuva, he says, uh, I'm not 100% sure because it might be an issue that uh, depends upon the local uh, situation. So, let's think of what they do in Paris and London when such a case comes up. So, I would suggest, he said, you write to various rabbanim to get an answer. In the next tshuva, we have the answer of Yitzhak Echanan, who wrote to Rav Hildesheimer, and here we see from the introduction the respect that Rav Hanan, who was considered the posek of that generation, had for Rav Hirsch, for Rav Hildesheimer. Sometimes I get confused between the two. But he wrote here, Yedid Hashem, Yedid Bet Yisrael, Yedid Nafshi, HaRav HaGon, HaGadol, HaTzadik, HaMafursam, Per Yisrael, Kudosho. Very flowery introduction. At this time, uh, Rav Ildesheim was the Av Bezdin of Berlin. And Rav Spector, Rav Yitzhak Hanan, wrote to him that I see no reason to deter this person from getting, from getting an aliyah because we pass in a mummer, an Arel, who, who's a mummer, a person who was, did not have a bris, is not considered a mummer for the entire Torah. He's a mummer for the purpose of Arelut. But he's not a mummer for the, for the entire Torah, and he brings sources for that. And therefore he said, obviously, Minadin, you can count him as a minion, etc. And therefore, there's no reason to expel him from the community. And we're also concerned that if we do not give him an aliyah, 
then perhaps he'll leave the Jewish fold completely, even though today he's not part of the community in terms of the bris, but maybe things could even get worse as a result of estranging him from our community. So therefore, Rabbi Hanan agreed with the basic contention of Rav Hildesheimer and said, you could give him an aliyah. I didn't. I wasn't aware of the tshuva of Rav Hildesheimer until recently, but I had this question myself a number of years ago. I went to Russia on a trip to make a seder in Moscow. The rest of Pesach I spent in the yeshiva of Rav Steinzaltz. And there many, many questions came up that were very interesting. One of the questions that a person asked me is a person came to me and explained to me that he, at this point in his life, he became a Baal and he accepted Torah mitzvahs completely. But he did not have a bris. And the reason he did not have a bris, because at that time, there was no mohel in Russia that would, perf- that would perform the bris on him. There was a mohel who was willing to be mal children, but nobody was willing to be mal adults. Therefore, for a period of time, he was an Ariel, but he wanted to have a bris. And he asked me, could he be considered uh, completely Jewish? Don't, let's not forget, it was on Pesach. And he asked me if he could uh, daven with a minion, get an aliyah, etc. So, of course, the din of an Ariel is unique in the fact that the Torah says for a carbon Pesach, call Ariel la Now, what is an Ariel that can't eat carbon Pesach? Rashi says, discussion with Rishonim, Ariel Shemesu Echo Machmasmila, a person who did not have a bris because of a very good reason. There was a, a it seems to be a type of gem, genetic disease in the family. His two brothers had already died as a result of the bris, and he did not have a bris. So certainly he's not to be blamed. And in fact, the doctors and the Rabbanim would say he should not have a bris. Nevertheless, an Ariel Shemesu Ech Machmasmila cannot eat Karm Pesach according to this interpretation. If that would be true, so would this extend to other areas of Jewish law? Apparently not. Apparently it's a specific halacha of uh, carbon Pesach. An Ariel cannot eat Karm Pesach, but for the other purposes, he's certainly considered to be Jewish. He's born to a Jewish mother. And therefore, I said that this fellow could get an aliyah. As I mentioned before, it's a little different in the case of Rav Hildesheimer. Rav Hildesheimer was talking about a child who did not want to have a bris. His parents did not want to be malim. In this case, he wanted to have a bris, but he couldn't. Nevertheless, it seems to me that uh, you're allowed to call him to the Torah and consider him part of the Jewish community. In another tshuva, in Simon Zion, the community of Halberstadt, the Rav of the community of Halberstadt, wrote him a letter about people in the community who left the main community because they didn't want to pay the taxes. Now, my assumption is, although I do not see the date on this tshuva, but if it was asked for by the community of Halberstadt, by the Rav of Halberstadt, it would, I would assume it was written after Rav Hildesheim had been the Rav of Halberstadt and moved to Berlin. The 
fellow who wrote the tshuva, who wrote the letter to Rav Hildesheimer, wrote that he assumed the pers- the people were considered a mumarim kula. They were considered basic, basically apostates because they were mechalal shem shemaim. They wanted to leave the community. They wanted to observe the laws of the government rather than Jewish laws. And he felt the could not be given any kavod in the shul. They should not be allowed to get an aliyah. They should not say Kaddish. They should not be buried in Jewish cemeteries. Rav Hildesheimer answered, first of all, I would like to point out that these people are not called mumarim. I'm very much in doubt about this. A mumar is a person who worships Avodah a person who becomes a, a different different religion, becomes a Catholic. But these people left the community. They left, they're considered dissidents. It, interestingly enough, in the Hebrew, it says, Dissidentin, what I would call dissidents. They do not want to join another religion. He says, I'm not even sure that there's a Chil Hashem involved. And he defines the halacha of Chil Hashem according to Sefer HaChinuch. And he points out that these people do not fulfill that category of being in Chil Hashem. So I would think, says Rav Ildesheimer, that although you are a greater Tamil Chacham than I am, and you think that the person is actually a Mumar, I disagree with that understanding. But I'll tell you what I do think, says Rav Ildesheimer, they're not Mumrim for the purpose of Kala Tarakula, but they're considered Parshim Midarche Yatsibur. They did leave the community. And the Rambam in Hilchos Shuva, a very famous Rambam, has that a person who's cons- who is Polish Midarche Tzibur, just the very fact that he's Polish Midarche Tzibur itself makes him outside the pale of Judaism. We put them in Chayim for such a thing. So therefore, I wouldn't say they're a Mumer Lecha but I would say they're to be expelled Excommunicated from, the, excommunicated from the Jewish community. Therefore, I would say they should not get Naliyah. Moreover, how could they say they did not choose to be part of the Jewish people? How could they say they don't believe in Torah Shabbat This is true on weekdays, this is true on Shabbos. To say Kaddish, I would say that they should not say Kaddish. They have no share in Olam Haba. How could they help bring other people to Olam Haba? If a person in community had a custom that only one person said Kaddish, obviously we would not allow them to say the Kaddish. 
But even when a group of people say Kaddish, we should not allow them to say Kaddish. And it seems obvious to me, Reb Rav Azriel Hildesheimer says, that it seems obviously obvious to me that they should not be brought to a Jewish cemetery. The expression of the Rambam, that a person's parish may not just that fact, the Rambam says clearly, even though he did not do any specific Avera, but he does not include himself within the Jewish people, is itself a reason to put him into a type of cherem. The pe- people say, in the name of Rav Kook, that the answer that's given to the Russia and the Haggadah is, Lefi shehotzi yasatzmo menaklal kafa be'ikar. I heard in the name of Rav Kook that the kfira be'ikar is the very fact shehotzi yasatzmo menaklal. Now, the way the questioner had written to Rav Hildesheimer, he felt that the Kafir Bi'ikar, the Hoshiyat Sasmomenaklal Kafir Bi'ikar, means he's a Kofir and Kola Torah Kula. Rav Hirsch, Rav Hildesheimer, I apologize for continually confusing the two. Rav Hildesheimer writes that I won't say he's a Mumar Lecha Torah Kula, but nevertheless, he's Poish Midarche Tzibur, therefore he's not considered part of the Tzibur, Shemaput Necherim. In Tshuva Tezayin, the he was asked about a Kohen who is not religious. And the question would be, could he be considered a uh, Kohen for the purpose of Nisias Kapayim, of Duchanim. Now, what was the problem with this particular Kohen? Interestingly enough, what did they see so bad about this Kohen? Well, the first night of Sukkot, he was part of a choir that sang during davening. Now, you're not allowed to be, to interrupt Mariv, a hefsek in Mariv, by singing a song. So, that was one thing he did that was not in conformity to Jewish law. Another thing that he did is when he was davening for the Amud, since he was a Kohen, he, in the middle of Shemona Esrei, he got up while he was a Chazan, took off his shoes, went to go wash his hands, and then he went to the bima to give Bechaz Kohanim. Now, certainly you should not do that. He should wash his hands earlier. He should not walk. Rav Hildesheimer said, it's true that these things are inappropriate, incorrect, according to Jewish law. However, this is not such a terrible Avera that we should discuss uh, not allowing him to go to give Bichas Kohanim. He didn't even engage in a frivolous conversation in Marev. He sang a song which we should try to stop and it's improper. Everything is true. But it's not necessarily considered a terrible, terrible Avera. The same thing is true about walking in the middle of Bichas, uh, in the middle of Chazor Sashats. But is not 
considered a terrible affair that we should stop him from dochering. He mentions even averot atzumot, even major averos, which these averos are not considered anything compared to them, they still do not parcel a person from birchas koanim. So therefore, he said, you certainly should allow him to do birchas koanim. Again, I had this question when there were koanim who were mechalal Shabbos, and that's obviously a much more severe avera. Should we allow them to do birchas koanim? There's a famous discussion of Rav Salavechik in the name of his father, who explained why he thought they could be allowed to do birchas koanim, even though they were mechalei Shabbos. Certainly in the case of Rav Azriel Hildesheimer, where the Averis were, what he considered minor Averis, certainly would be permitted. Uh, tshuva in the Yeridea volume that I found very interesting, partly because it's an American question. It was asked from a community in what he calls Orleans. My assumption is that this is what we consider today New Orleans. And the question was about um, a certain community, uh, which I said was, they write it as Orleans, that many, many men there had married non-Jewish women. Now, it's true they did things that were improper, but they were basically did consider themselves Jewish. And they wanted their children to have a bris. The mothers who were not Jewish agreed that the child should have a bris, but they did not allow them to be immersed in the mikveh. In other words, you could not do gerus. The local rav said that the moalim cannot be malvim, he was very, very upset with these people who married non-Jewish women. And therefore, he said it would be a terrible Avera for the Moel to give them a bris. And he said, if a Moel does give them a bris, the Moel from now on will be puzzled. You're not allowed to go to such a Moel. And the father who would go and bring his child to this Moel, that itself would be considered a, a sin. And therefore, the people from America asked three questions. One, is there a sin to mal these children? Two, can the Rav passel the Moel? And three, if a father did bring his child to such a, a Moel, what is the situation? Now, this question was sent to Rav Hildesheimer from Rav Tzvi Hirsch Apparently, Rav Tzvi Hirsch the great one of the great leaders of Chavavet Tzion, was asked this question and wrote a rather lengthy responsa to discuss his view on this question. He, in turn, sent the letter to Rav Azrael Hildesheimer, who wrote a lengthy tshuva with a continuation after this tshuva printed in our Sefer about this issue. Rav Kalisher wanted to say that he felt that the child 
should not be the child should be Nemo. Now, when I said the letter was written to Rav Kalisher, I, I should point out that it's very possible that the letter really was written and printed in the paper of Is- the Israelite, which I mentioned before. In the Israelite itself, this question was discussed. It could be that Rav Kalisher saw the tshuva in the Israelite and responded to that tshuva. Because in the Israelite, it said that the answer would be completely in the negative. You should not be mal the child. And the indeed, the person that uh, would mal such a child would be considered uh, inappropriate for Mila, and we should could, should pass them for Mila. And Rav Kalisher wrote back to say why he thought that it would be extremely right to mal this child. In fact, he said it would be a mitzvah to mal the child. Because it's true that if we would not mal a child just for medical purposes if he's not Jewish. But if he wants to consider it a mitzvah of Mila, we would do it. And therefore he argued that the Mila itself, not only should we not stop it, we should encourage such a such such a breeze. He also said in the future it might bring him closer to Judaism. Maybe the fact that the child has a bris eventually will make him feel he's part of the Jewish community. Whereas if we reject him out of hand and say they can't do a bris in such a case, maybe he'll never do tshuva. Maybe when he grows up, he will go to the mikveh. Maybe he will undergo geirus. At least he won't be antagonistic to Judaism. That was the opinion of Rav Tzvi Hirsch Kalisher. Rav Hildesheimer wrote back to defend the position that was taken in the Israelite, and he said that he felt that you should not have such a bris. In the case in the Gemara, that uh, you're not allowed to mal a child for medical purposes, he said, let's remember, we paskin, a child from a non-Jewish mother is not Jewish. So you should not be mal him. He's not going to come to convert when the Gemara, if it's a mitzvah to be Megayer, if it's a mitzvah to give a bris to a, a non-Jew, it's because he's in the process of giyur. But here there's no, we're not talking about giyur now. Secondly, once I decided that it's not proper to have the bris, then the Rabbanim who said to the Moel that you should not do it, I don't understand. He says it's very obvious. Since the person would not listen to the Rabbanim, so the very fact that he wouldn't listen to the Rabbanim makes him a type of an apicaris, and he would be puzzled for doing bris in the future. So what Ravil Desheimer did is he defended the position that he took, that was taken in the Israelite, and he said you should really not have a bris. And he said about the Moel, Yesh lachushemin vapikarisu. And he disagreed with Rav Kalisha, who said the Moel at worst only did a minor, minor infraction. I think he said no. Says Rav Hildesheimer, Hochiach safot chilato, demin vapikarisu, demoridim velamalim. And therefore he said the child should not have a bris. You should puzzle the Moel from doing it. To the best of my knowledge, he didn't relate to the third question, which 
I don't understand exactly what they wanted. What would be the din if after the Rav said the Moel is puzzle, or somebody brought the child to such a Moel? I doubt very much whether what would be the ramification of going to this Moel. But nevertheless, I didn't see that uh, Rav Hildesheimer actually, in this tshuva, reacted to it. I must point out that the following tshuvas also uh, were, bring a, a discussion between Rav uh, Kalisher again, a response from Rav Kalisher, and an answer of Rav uh, Hildesheimer at the end. Rav Hildesheimer said, I I'd still abide by my opinion, but I'm willing to have it brought before people. And he mentioned, for example, Hagon Hamiti Av Beisdin Dekira Kedosha Altuna Asher Zachiti Lishameshoto Leerich Abashanim Osha Gedoliyaretz. So obviously he's referring to the Rav of Altuna, Rav the Aruchaner, the Binyan Sion. He said he'll refer the question to him also, but basically he felt there was no problem in accepting the psak printed in Altuna, in the, in the Israelite, that this person should not have a bris. A child from a non-Jewish mother, we should not mal the child.